say you better make some noise. We're all waiting on you. Why? Because we get excited. We just prayed for people and watched miracle after miracle after miracle after miracle. Why? Because God shows up. God's got a distant God who never shows up and leaves you wandering and wondering the rest of your life. He's like, no, I want to speak to you. I want to minister to you. I want to bring you into relationship. And God's about to speak a powerful, miraculous yeah. word today. Right. A word that is going to be transformational, not just informational. I think we have plenty of information out there. We don't need more. We are inundated with information. I'm overwhelmed by it. I don't want it. I almost want to know less. <laughs> like if I just, I want to be ignorant sometimes is bliss. I'd rather not know. But I want to know more about Jesus. I want to know more about what he's got for me. And the hope and the plan and the future and the purpose. Oh, yeah. Give it, Lord. Man, y'all show up to third service like you know I preach the best at third. Okay, Mark chapter 8, verse 22 through 30, it says this. Then he came to Bethsaida, and they brought a blind man to him and begged him to touch him. Everybody say touch. So he took the blind man, remember that, by the hand and led him out of the town. And when he spit on his eyes, y'all think I can be a little difficult sometimes. But if I walk this down this aisle and spit in your face, <laughs> it'd be challenging to stay. But listen to him stay and watch what happens. He spit in his eyes and put his hands on him. And he asked him a question if he saw anything. And he looked up and said, I see men like trees walking. And he put, then he put his hands on his eyes again and made him look up. Everybody say, look up. And he was restored and saw everyone clearly. Then he sent him on his way to his house, said, neither go into the town nor tell anyone in the town. I'll explain that later. Now Jesus and his disciples, this is one story, don't split them apart. And his disciples went out of the towns of Caesarea Philippi and on the road he asked his disciples, who do men say that I am? So they answered, John the Baptist. Some say Elijah. Others say one of the prophets. Then he said to them, but who do you? say that I am. Who do you say that I am? Then Peter answered, he said, you are the Christ. Another version says, you are the Messiah in another gospel. And he says, Peter, oh, Peter, flesh and blood has not revealed this revelation unto you, but my Father who is in heaven, and upon that rock I will build my church Lord, in Jesus' name, there's a revelation coming for somebody's life today that will be world-changing, that we'll be able to build on, that we'll have a solid foundation on. And I thank you, God, for what you have done and what you will do. Go beyond our IQ into the depths of who we are in our spirit and speak to the very fabric of our being today. Don't let our mind and our heart stop it. Don't let our flesh get in the way. But I pray that you'd remove all distractions. You'd remove all the detours. You'd remove all doubt and preference and pessimism. And God, you would speak. Speak, Lord. Amen. Speak, Lord. So that we might see. 
In Jesus' name, anoint me, Holy Spirit, to be your tool, your conduit, your vessel to accomplish your assignment for which you have me on this earth for. In Jesus' name, everybody said amen. amen. Let's give God another praise. Turn to the person on your right and on your left and say, you better get ready. And you may be seated. Okay, good. I think we'll have a good service. Uh, call me optimistic. I just think it's going to be good. I think it's going to be positive. I want you to open up your Bibles and open up your notebooks to Mark chapter 8. And I want to speak something to you that the Holy Spirit downloaded into my heart uh, for this particular service. Now, I want you to understand something. Whenever I preach, some of the things are very practical. And if you broke them down into simple one-liners or statements, they're going to seem very simplistic and they're going to seem very practical. And let me tell you why. It's because they are. <laughs> Jesus didn't make his word complicated. He made it practical. In fact, Jesus perfected the practical. And so we don't need to make life more complicated, nor the gospels more complicated, nor our mission on earth more complicated, or why we're here more complicated. We are very good at making things more complicated. Yeah, right. So we don't need to make it more complicated. It's actually better to be simplified. But the difference of what you feel versus what you hear, you're going to hear a word that will be very practical by sentence alone, but very powerful by application. Why? Because it's timely. Everybody say timely. Timing is everything. Timing is everything. Everything. Timing is everything. If you'd have given me the baby I wanted when I was 23 years old and brand new married, I, it would have been more of a burden than a blessing. But God has given me a baby with my wife, and she's 19 weeks today, and she will. She, we're going to have a baby. But at 37 years young, I am thankful because now this wonderful bundle will be a blessing and not so much a burden at 23. Now everybody makes it work and you figure it out. There's all of us are alive. My parents had me when they were 20 and my sister when she was, they were 18 years old. So you figure it out. But I'm thankful that God has a timing. Amen. God has a perfect timing for you because he knows what you can handle and when you're about to break. Sometimes your breaking point is really just God's turning point. I'm already preaching and you didn't even know it. Your breaking point when you're about to say, I'm done with him. Her, them, this, that, me. When you're done, God says, finally. Now let me tip this in your direction and let me, now that you've burned the ships, now that plan B is not available anymore, or C or D or E or F, now that those plans are gone, let me work my plan. Somebody said amen. amen. So God has this amazing map and plan that he's got for us. And within the text, you're going to look at this scripture and I'm going to talk about other people. But if you only hear other people when I preach, you'll never be able to truly make it powerful. Why? Because it's not personal. Unless it's personal, it will never become powerful. The reason many of you feel and our church grows and thrives and doubles in size every year is because people are making it personal. Turn to your neighbor that you really like and say, this is personal. <laughs> now turn to the other one and say, I didn't tell you because I was mad at you. No, <laughs> <laughs> I was talking about them. This is personal, right? We say that when we're angry, but this is personal when it comes to applying the Word of God to our life. 
How, why? Why would we hear the word of God and never apply it to our own life? Detrimental, destructive, dangerous. So we read this text and we get almost two pictures, but it's really one. And the picture shows us how Jesus fed the thousands and then in the miraculous way after he fed them, then he goes out and he's in Bethsaida and then he heals the blind man in Bethsaida. And then after he heals the blind man in Bethsaida, which is interesting to begin with because everywhere Jesus went, he healed entire towns at one at a time. And so he'd heal everybody. So how did Jesus go through Bethsaida and not heal? We'll get to there in a minute. But then he goes through that and as he's walking after they've seen all this, he says, okay, guys, let's talk about what you saw. Because now I want to talk about what you see. Okay? You hear where I'm going? So he says, what do people say? Now he says say, but he's wanting, to, he's wanting to see what's in them. So he says, who do people say that I am? And all the disciples did a good job. In fact, right now, everyone in-house and everyone online, I want you to think of a word that describes Jesus to you. A word that describes Jesus to you. I'm going to say it one more time. A word that describes Jesus to you. And on the count of three, everybody's going to shout that word. Ready? One, two, three. Savior! All right, great. Mine was the best. Okay. So, you, <laughs> that's awful. All of our words are valuable. So we have this description. And they, they're like, oh, people say you're this and people say you're that. And they say you're a prophet. And they say, and they're talking about what other people say. But be careful that you're just becoming a parrot of regurgitated things that other people threw up in you. Because I'm not here to regurgitate someone else's sayings. I need to have my own revelation. So therefore, he says, let me break it down a little further. Go ahead, say, say break it down, preacher. So he says, break it down. He says, I want you to tell me who you say I am. And then all of the 11 got silent, got quiet. And before we get to Peter and the great revelation, I want to talk to you first about the, the silence because it's disturbing. It's disturbing that you just saw miracle signs and wonders, that you saw healings and deliverance, that you saw a demon-possessed man get delivered of a legion, that you saw all of this, but yet you can't come up with one. We all thought of one word just like that. And I said, I gave you a little bit of a second, but you had a word within you. You had a revelation. Jesus is good. Jesus is gracious. Jesus is my Savior. Jesus is my healer, my deliverer. He is the rock. He is the I am, the way, the truth, the life. Jesus, we all had a word like that, but yet they're walking with him, and it is disturbing that they don't have a word about who he is from them. And the word that you need to take away from this, the truth that you need to take away from this, is this, is that I don't need my allies, my followers, I don't need our congregants, I don't need my friends, I don't need those who love me to be secretly loving me. I don't need you to be in, I don't need you to be quiet, silently quiet, loving me. I don't need you to be silently for me. Because they could have had a word, but they refused to speak upright. They'd rather talk about what other people say about, G oh, I'm going to preach. That you have people in your life who would love to only talk to you about what other people say about you and not really what they have to say for you. If you're a friend, don't be silent. If you're an ally, don't live in secret. If you're somebody who's going to be an advocate me, I don't need you to be quiet all the time. When it hits the fan and life isn't going easy, I need good people around me to say, hey, you're, the, you're good, you're great, you're amazing. I'm your cheerleader because why? Jesus was about to tell about his death. Death, and he needed to see, are you going to be with me when I go? And right then he knew you won't make it to the cross with me. And so I don't need secret, friend. You don't need silent, friends. You don't need silent love. 
Unspoken love is not love at all. Six of you said amen. Unspoken love is not love at all. If you grew up in the John Wayne era, if you grew up in the rub dirt on it, keep moving forward era, if you grew up in the area of the Marlboro man standing stone cold and stoic and not being able to speak anything and don't cry and don't let them see you cry, if you grew up in that area, we taught you how to silently suffer and never speak what's going on in your heart. Men are tender too, baby. And we love and we cry and we speak life. And if a man isn't speaking in his home, the, uh, if a man's only doing the yelling and not any of the loving, he's not, oh, I'm, uh, we, both sides have to speak up. Somebody say speak up, preacher. I, I have to, we got to speak up about some things because we've remained silent in the important things. We want to we wanna be talk about the gossip. Everybody likes to, because that's really what the disciples were doing. They were gossiping about what other people were saying. Well, this is what other people said. Oh, this is what they said about the bridge church. I heard that the pastor... You know what they said about that church? You know what they, it got real quiet in here. How many rumors have y'all heard? <laughs> because that's what that is, gossip, rumors. The Bi- Let me just break it down even further for you. The Bible calls the devil the accuser of the brethren. If you ever step into a place where you find yourself accusing a brother or sister of God in anything, you are no longer on God's side. You have aligned yourself with the enemy and you are head first into the God himself. That will do, He will humble you and teach you a difficult lesson. So we have to be careful what side we're on. Who we're talking about. And then even before that, so then disciples, we see that the 11 are, are really blind. So it's not just the blind man. Now we know that there's the 11 that are blind. Then Peter speaks up, and the Bible says that, oh, Peter, yes, I am the Christ. I am the Messiah. But flesh and blood has not revealed that unto you, but my Father who is in heaven. And upon this rock I will build my church. Amen. And he speaks this over him. How does he speak that? How does Peter get a direct connection with the Father before the cross? How? Anybody want to tell me? I'll tell you how. An open heaven. Last time we saw this, Jesus was baptized. The heavens opened and God spoke through the heavens and said, This is my son in whom I am well pleased. When, but he was standing there and God saw the intent of Peter's heart. I want to get this right. All of a sudden, Peter couldn't see a full picture. But heaven opened up above him and gave a revelation to him that was beyond him. And he said, Oh, Peter, this is beyond you. And you don't even know it. You're saying things that are beyond your comprehension, beyond your IQ beyond your age so somebody said amen right there I preach sometimes like I'm 65 and it's not because I am that wise it's because God will download a revelation to an open heaven person if you're in the right place and have the right heart to say oh I want a deeper revelation not so I can impress people but you can impress me about who you are I want to see more of God when you see people clapping and cheering and shouting it's because heaven opened up above them and God's been good to them good beyond their good, good beyond their faithfulness, good beyond their comprehension, good beyond anything they could ever ask, think, or imagine. Pretty sure that's a scripture. Ephesians chapter 3 verse 20. You ought to know that God is trying to do something exceedingly abundantly above and beyond, but I want to talk to you. The title of my message today is Beyond the Blur. Write that down. Don't look at me. 
beyond the blur. I want you to remember this so that when you leave here, you actually remember something. So beyond the blur, but before we get there, we need to talk about the blind. Because Peter could see the man but couldn't see the cross. Okay. The disciples couldn't see anything and remained silent in the blind. Now when Jesus, we rewind and we see Jesus enter Bethsaida, he enters into Bethsaida and the, the whole town knows him for miracle signs and wonders. He's already been doing ministry for a while. So then they bring the blind man. Can I ask you a question? He heals entire towns. We've seen it. He just fed thousands, did miracle signs and wonders, he said. And a lot of scriptures just simply say after he. The Bible says that if, if we took all of the things that Jesus did in his three years of ministry, we wouldn't be able to fill, uh, we'd fill all the books in the world and then some. So some of the times they just write in there and he healed everyone. <laughs> Literally, it's what it says. He healed everyone, he just did it all. And, and well, Bethsaida knew this. So then, but th hear me. So then Bethsaida says they brought him the blind man. What happens when you're the only one? It seems like God did miracles, signs, and wonders for everybody but. I, I, people ask me, preacher, I don't need you to teach me how to follow God and love Jesus when he's doing miracles, signs, and wonders and showing up in my life and I've got favor and grace on me. Teach me how to follow God when it seems like everybody else is blessed except for me. When they're getting the blessing, they're getting the promotion, they got the children, they got the child, they're the ones who got the job, they're the ones whose marriage is doing so good and I look like I am falling apart. God, where are you? Preacher, teach me how to follow Christ when I can't see. When I feel like Christ did it all for everybody else but me. Anybody been there? I, I've been there. I, and you don't have to remain silent. You can get loud if you need to. It got real quiet. But I, I need to understand, and we need to understand how to follow Christ when my prayer is not answered. But the good part is all them, they, they brought him to him. They drug him. Anybody got drug him to church before? They drug, don't, don't, don't say. They drug him to church drug him to church, got him to church. They got him in front of Christ, and they were like, Christ, heal him. And they begged him to heal him. He didn't ask. They begged him. Did you know your faith for somebody who hasn't seen God? Did you know that your faith of dragging, sometimes parents are so fearful of like, well, I just don't want to force my kids. My parents made me, and I didn't like church. And guess what? You're at church today. So whether you like being drug or not, guess what, baby? It worked. <laughs> yeah. You can drag them. Get them here. Why? Because the Bible says the word of God will never return void. Teach a child in a way that she goes, and they shall never depart from it. you got to teach. they got to hear. So anyway, so he, he, he shows up, and they drag him. Omar, will you help me with this illustration? They drag him to Christ. They bring him in front of Christ. And then remember when I said mark that? He says, look in your Bibles. It says, and then all of a sudden the blind man grabbed Christ. Say no. no. I'm seeing if y'all are paying attention. Who's really following? No, the Bible didn't say the blind man grabbed. Why? Because the blind man is blind. <laughs> and he's weak. Everybody say weak. weak. And if he gripped my hand, grip my hand, Omar. It may be, oh, Omar, no. And, and his, his grip may falter. If I say, oh, I want to I wanna live for God. I'll tell God, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to I'm gonna live for God. I'm gonna, this is where a lot of Christians have a hard time living for Jesus. Because we think we're grabbing a hold of Christ. But you need, oh, Holy Spirit, help me preach. 
you, you need to stop acting like you're the one who grabbed a hold of him and start saying, God, I'm thankful that Jesus grabbed a hold of me because when you grabbed a hold of me, you pulled me out of that miry clay, set my feet upon a rock. Oh, and your grip will never falter. It'll never fail. The Bible says that neither heaven or hell can separate you. Height nor depth nor principalities or powers can separate you from the love of God. Amen. And when Christ, oh, I'm th- oh, is anybody thankful that Christ grabbed a hold of them, that he grabbed a hold of me, that God grabbed a hold of my hand and said, oh, you don't, don't go anywhere, I got you. It's okay because when you're weak, I'm strong. And in your weakness, I make, I make it perfect. I got you in this. And I love how he grabs a hold of him. That's what it says. Why would it say it in the Bible otherwise? It said Jesus grabbed a hold of him. Say first touch. Now, I want you to write these in your notes. First touch, second touch, third touch. There's three touches I'm going to talk about, and I'm going to talk about the blind, the blurred, and beyond. It's going to happen real quick. When he touches him the first time, the Bible says that he took him out of Bethsaida. There's two things to note right here. The first one is, I'm going to ask you a question. Did he get healed? Can he see? Oh, back to that person who said, can you help me follow God when my prayers, when he got the touch, imagine that, grabbing a hold of the living, breathing hand of Christ, the same hand that touched the child and said, come to life, the same hand that was nailed to the cross, the same hand that showed up and said, hey, Thomas, touch my hand, the same hand that changed the world, that turned water to wine, the same hand that did miracle signs and wonders, now touch this man's hand. I would have expected that he would have been healed that moment. But he wasn't. Can you follow God when prayers go unanswered? See, I, 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 don't, I, I think it's, it's easy. I, I, I'm not impressed by people who know how to follow Jesus in the light. I'm impressed by people who follow Jesus in the dark. Because I, 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 he can't see. He, his prayer's not answered, but I got relationship. Oh, I, I, I got relationship. No, not everything's perfect, but I got a relationship with Christ. Isn't this how you got saved? Oh, I got saved and I have a relationship with Jesus. He's got a hold of my life. I don't know how to do church. I don't know how to live for him. I can't see clearly. I can't even see anything. I don't know how to worship. I don't know how to pray. I don't know how to read my Bible, but I got relationship. Because when you got relationship, that's all you need to start the process of going beyond beyond in your life but you got to start here with the first touch everybody say first touch because the first touch was a touch of relationship and the first touch of relationship write this down the first touch is about a touch of trust will you trust me to walk with me when I don't answer your prayer Will you trust me to walk with me and I could take you wherever you need to go and you're blind and yet you can't see where we're going or what we're doing, but you're going to trust me. Uh, can you follow me when you don't know? Can you follow me when you don't have all the answers? Who are my people who need to know everything before you do anything? If you have this kind of relationship with Christ, you need to be the guy who says, God, I can't even see, but I feel like this isn't just anybody I'm touching. I feel like Jesus really touched my life. And you follow and you trust. The next thing is this. Can, can you follow him in the dark? Periodically. Thank you, Omar. You did a great job. <laughs> Periodically, you're going to expect some dark moments in your life. And when you first grab a hold of God, I'm teaching you some. Is this okay? Is this good? Anybody receive? 
it, when you follow Jesus, you should not be set up to say everything's about to turn for your good and everything's going to be perfect, bright, and r- sunny, and r- rosy, and all wonderful. No, 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 no. When, you're, when you first touch him, I, th- I thank God that the Bible included a passage where somebody got touched by Jesus, but not everything was answered. Because I, I prayed for people, and not everything happened the way I thought it should happen. I prayed for people, and it felt like it was a dark moment. And God, why didn't you save them? God, why didn't you heal them? God, why didn't you deliver them? God, why didn't you take away that cancer? Why didn't you fix that marriage before it fell apart? God, where are you? And he's saying, can you follow me in the dark? And as you follow him in that first touch in the dark, all of a sudden you get ready for that second touch. Everybody say second touch. That second touch comes into from the blind to the blurred because he spits. That's nasty. That's just gross. Honestly, it's offensive. Because it didn't say he spit in his hand. It said he spit in his eyes. And then he put his hands on his eyes. I don't know if I like Jesus' ministry. You know, his style of ministry is gross. I don't know if I like Bridge Church ministry the way they do things. I don't know if I like worship that way. <laughs> My wife is like, Joy too. She's, they're like, stop, you're going to make me throw up. But when, when you think, right, when, you, when you're trying to say, I don't know if I, 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 I would rather my flesh get offended and my spirit get fed than, be, than live in a place where I'm just like, only do it the way I want, only do it the way I think, in the order I think you should do it. Jesus is like, I got something new for you. And he was like, he wanted to show us, look, you got to work through offense because when you're offended, he still stayed. Some people get offended and all they do is go. I got offended that Pastor Landon preached that all lives matter. I'm out of here. I got offended that Pastor Landon said, oh, we're going to pray for the police. I'm out of here. Oh, I got offended the way that Pastor Landon said that black lives do really matter. Oh, I'm out of here. I got offended about politics and this. When you get offended, you got to say, okay, flesh, sit your butt down. My miracle is about to come and I'm not letting my offense. Take me out those doors. Oh, come on. Give God a real praise. Because offense will always try to get you to run. Offense. Oh, I don't like how pastor. I don't like this. I don't like that. I don't like the way my boss does this. My friends do that. My dad did this. And my. If you're always going to live in offense, you're going to have a root of bitterness. And a root of bitterness will always produce fruit of resentment in your life. No wonder you have daddy issues. Oh, too heavy. Let me go back. Y'all ain't ready for that. Ooh. Too hard. Too hard. Okay. Well, we have this place where we have to understand that God is trying to free us up from offense. And then now he's going to say, okay, let me touch you. And then when he touches you, this is the next point, he's going to touch you and then he's going to question you. Because the second touch is a touch with a test. You cannot be touched by God and not be tested by God. Every mature believer in here say amen to that because you you know what I'm preaching. Because when you get under the unction of this Holy Spirit kind of church and that kind of worship and you leave here, you will be tested. Well, you can't sit underneath this kind of preaching and not get tested out there. You can't get filled in here and not get tested out there. You will get a touch from God in here. And it's all reason to rejoice and get excited. But know in your mind and in your heart, you will be tested. Oh yeah, you're going to be tested in the car. You're going to leave here and be like, that was awesome. Turn on some music and then, 
all of a sudden, out of note, you'll start arguing about who picked what song and what, what restaurant you didn't or did go to and how the food came out cold and you are mad and you are upset. Why? Because you got tested. You will. That's why you need to not just believe a word, but conceive the word and carry the word. Don't have a miscarriage of the word you conceive in here that you need to carry out there. Because God is saying, look, I got a word for you. And that second touch is going to come with a test. What's the test? He says, hey, what do you see? So he asked him what he saw. And he said, everybody squint. He says, I see... Uh, Men, but they look like trees. You know, it just looks like a bunch of trees out there. And it's blurry. Everybody say blur. blur. It's blurry. I just can see trees. It's amazing how the blind man is about to get sight and he can't see the man, but he can see the tree. But Peter could see the man, but couldn't see the cross. See, they were both blurred, but they just didn't know about what. We all sometimes live in a blur, but you need to be careful because how he responds gives you the key of how to live in a blur and be careful and cautious. He responds with what? Honesty. He says, I can't really see. I'm better than where I was, but I'm not where I used to be. But what we have is we have a lot of Christians doing this, and we make definitive statements. Oh, I think you should do it like this. Oh, I think you guys should build it like that. Oh, I think you should tell. Oh, your marriage, this is how you should do it. You left your own marriage in a blur. Why are you talking about my marriage with your blurry self? You don't need to speak about other people's businesses and life and family. And We got a bunch of blurry people like, I think they should raise their kids like this. And we're just blurred as can be, trying to tell other people how to live their life. And we are just putting conjecture. Do not make definitive statements and decisions in the blur. Oh, that's better than you think it is. Write that down. Do not make definitive statements in your blurry state. Why? Because you can't see as good as you want to think. See, Christians, we always want to act like we're better than we really are. We come to church and somebody says, are you good? Oh, I'm good. I'm good, bro. Oh, I'm good. I'm okay. I'm all right. Oh, and we're not. We can't really see. We're not doing good. We're not doing, we, and then we, then we want to make statements. And we want to ask questions. Why'd the church do that? Why'd they go there? Oh, how'd they, uh. Why, why, are they, why is their marriage like that and those kids like that? They should do it like that. And we want to we put conjecture on people. We have killed people with conjecture. Oh, yeah, we have. We conje we, conjecture killed the prophets that by their fake uh, justice and their false righteousness. They killed the prophets and they killed men and women of God. Why? Because in their blurry state they thought they were good enough. And that's why Jesus taught this same principle again. He said, the guy who has a plank in one eye is trying to pull the speck out of somebody else's eye. Because you're trying to make decisions and you're trying to help and give advice when you shouldn't be saying anything at all but the honest truth about where you are and where you can go. It's like me if I, and this is just pretend, just everybody take a deep breath. But if I had a gun up here, and I had a gun, and these lights are blurring me, and that was, there was a mosquito in that back door, and we all hate mosquitoes, they're of the devil. <laughs> but they're back there, and I have really good vision, but I'm a terrible shot. Horrible. I, I, I'm, I'm really bad. I'm not good at, at, like, guns and shooting and all that kind of stuff. If we had to live in, like, an old rural society, like, way back, I'd be a gatherer. I'd be like a, <laughs> uh, you know, 
I don't. I wouldn't even. I wouldn't even. I wouldn't even make the cut for a hunter. But I. But I have good sight. So if I had like a perfect gun up here and I had that mosquito back there and these lights are blinding me, and I kind of got focused in, and and I was and I took a. Sh I'd miss it by a mile. Because I'm blurred. But that's what we do. We get this blurred state, and we're trying to make decisions for our future. We're trying to make decisions for our marriage. We're trying to make decisions for our family. We're trying to make, we, we start throwing conjecture at other people like, oh, I, they shouldn't open up like they are with our state. They, oh, they should open up more. Oh, I, we start trying to make decisions about politics and about COVID. And I can make it real, real quick if y'all need me to, but I need you to hear what I'm pre. We try to make all, we try to act like we can see everything. Y'all, we don't know everything. We can't see everything. And I don't want to know everything. Why? Because I only need to know what God has in front of me and what he has before me and what he wants me to do and he wants me to accomplish instead of throwing a bunch of blurred conjecture out there. Remember, conjecture is just another word for accuser. And the devil's the accuser, the brethren. Don't get in that blurred place. I want to close with this because that second touch, it goes from the blur because, and then he says, what do you see? And before the third touch comes, he says, ah, uh, it's, it's blurry. I can see the trees. Now let me ask you a question. Before the third touch comes, what heals this man? Does it, I'm asking, I really want to respond. <laughs> does, does faith, let me ask, does faith heal this man? Does his faith? No. His honesty. We all want to talk about your faith will heal you. When was the last time you were honest to God? And when you were honest to God, watch God. That's why the Bible says, let times of refreshing come to those who repent. Why? Because you've got to be honest when you repent. Why? You've got to open it all up. And when you open it all up and let it all out, God says, now I can heal you. When you're honest with me and you can say, oh, I'm really not that good. Instead of a bunch of Christians who are like, oh, no, I'm good. I know where I'm going. And you're as blurred as the day is long. And you can't see anything, but you want to act like you're good. You want to walk to church looking like you're all put together, but you're blind, stumbling through the door and if you would just walk in and say God I'm better than where I was but I'm not where I could be I'm still a little blurred on some things I don't know really where I'm going God I just need to be honest and let you know my weakness because Peter Peter was in that same boat with you that he had a he had a paradox he had a he had a, he had a, he had a problem he he had a good and he had a bad he had a he had, he had the rock and he had the devil because when he said, oh, you are the Christ, you are the Messiah, the anointed one, Jesus like upon this rock, Peter, you're the rock, man. And then a few verses later, he tells Jesus tells about his death. And then when he tells about his death, that's when Jesus turns to Peter and says, get behind me, devil. In the same man, in the same man was the rock and the devil. I want to preach a whole sermon about this one day. In, it was in the rock, and then it, because when you talk about, you go all the way back to Moses. Moses had the staff, and the staff parted the water, parted the Red Sea, didn't it? But it also, that same staff was laid down, and there was a snake that came from that staff. Every staff has a snake, and every rock has a devil. Oh, every person has good and has a little evil. Every person is strong, but you're also weak. And when you can admit that you are weak, when you can admit that I'm sinful and shameful, that's when God says, oh, I can make you strong. I can make you holy again. I can touch you. I can help you. But only when you're honest. Oh, can I get a hundred people to give God an honest praise in here? Give them an honest praise.
Oh, you might as well stand. If you don't stand, if you don't stand, I'll just keep preaching. You, you need to go to lunch. But I want you to stay standing with me, and I'm going to close this sermon with this. Jesus gives the third touch. And he had perfect vision. That's why we're titling this Beyond the Blur. Why? Because God wants to do beyond your blurry state, beyond your blind state, beyond your doubt, beyond your discouragement, beyond your insecurities, beyond your weaknesses. He wants to do a beyond miracle for you. He wants to give you a beyond revelation just like Peter. He wants to do it, but you got to admit, I'm a little good, I'm a little bad, I'm a little strong, I'm a little weak, I'm good in this area, bad in this area. That's why Christians are notorious for judging other people's sins, because you're strong in that area, but they're weak in that area. But if we pointed out your weaknesses, you'd have a problem too. But we all want to talk about our strengths and never our weaknesses. But if you're honest, God can give you that third touch, because on the third day, Jesus rose again from that grave and he gave a touch from heaven that would shake the earth. Oh, hallelujah. And then he tells him, he says, don't go back. Oh, why did he pull him out of Bethsaida? Because he said, that's your old life. Why did he tell him not go back? Because that's your old crowd. Oh, some of you need some new friends. Some of you just found a friend around you, in front of you, behind you. I want these kids to grow up in church because when birthday party happens, for each and one of every one of your kids, there are more Christian kids at your kid's birthday party than random kids. And they need to know good Christian kids as they grow up. You need to know that. We got to have that. Have a good search. Jesus said, it wasn't by accident that Jesus said, I got to take you out of here. And then I can do the miracle. Why? Because I got to take you out of who you used to be. I got to take you away from that round of people that all doubted you and said, this is where you've been. This is where you'll always be. You've never been successful. Your family's never been big. Your family's never grown. You've always had divorce in your life for generations. You'll never do better. And that's why Jesus said, I got to take you out of here so I can do a miracle in your life. And don't you go back there because that's not who you are anymore you are redeemed of the Lord you are set free you are a child of God you are healed you are delivered and God is saying now oh say I'm coming out shout it I'm coming out I'm coming out of who I used to be and I'm not going back quit allowing other people who used to know you keep you in who you used to be People are always comfortable as long as you stay where they met you. But when you start doing better, all of a sudden you're bigger than them. And if you're bigger than them, they say, oh, you better than us? People, I've never had a hater throw stones from above me. I've only had haters throw stones from beneath me. Because the more I grew and the more I moved forward, Sorry, I'm, I'm not here to say anything about you, but I got to move forward. He told me not to go back, and I'm going to be a, a I'm going to be obedient to His voice rather than your voice. And somebody needs to catch on to that today. Maybe this is your first time or hundredth time. Maybe you're tuning in online or one of our three prisons that are tuning in today. We love you guys. This word's for you. Don't let people keep you. They want you to stay right where they met you, as long as you don't get too big for yourself. What kind of destructive, demonic talk is that? 
you're better. You're bigger. You're healed. You are delivered. You are a child of God. Why can't what? Well, man, why can't your marriage do great? Why can't your business thrive? Why can't your kids be phenomenal? Why can't you have a healthy, thriving life? Why can't you be happy? Why? What is so dysfunctional about where we used to be that they don't want us being happier than we used to be? I want to be happier for the rest of my life, more joyful, more cheerful, more glad. I want to be excited. I want to be passionate. Don't hold me down. Don't hold me down. Because that third touch is coming and you go beyond the blur and God takes you beyond. Let me pray with you. Lord, in Jesus' name, I thank you, God, for every person under the sound of my voice, God, who has received a good word today. And I thank you, God, that that word has gone forth into good soil and it's sown into good ground and it's going to produce a great harvest. And I thank you, Lord, that we are going to be healed of our blindness. We're going to get a grip on you and let you hold our life. And Lord, we're going to let go of who we used to be. We're going to move beyond the blur. We're going to be honest with who we are. We're going to step into trust. We're going to overcome the tests. Oh yeah. We're not going to have any more miscarriages in words. Next Sunday, this service will be twice as full. Why? Because we're going we're gonna to constantly move forward with our life. Lord, talking about the goodness of God, the grace of God, the mercies of God, the mir- miracle signs and wonders of God. And I am not looking back. The reason I couldn't be faithful and consistent in my past is because I had a grip on him and he didn't have a grip on me. And right now, I pray for the Holy Spirit to grab a hold of somebody's heart, somebody's life, somebody's mind, somebody's spirit right now. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, with every head bowed and every eye closed, if this message spoke to you here and online, if you're under the sound of my voice and you say, Pastor, you are preaching right at me. Doesn't matter what point, you are preaching at me. If that's you, I want you to shoot your hand up right now, and I'm going to pray for you. Thank you for all those hands. Keep them up, keep them up. Almost every single hand in this house. Lord, in Jesus' name, I thank you, God. Keep your hands raised. Oh, heaven is about to open. I want somebody to be honest right now. Be honest with who you are. Be honest with where you're at. Let God know I'm better than what I was, but I'm not where I could be. Lord, help me to go beyond the blur. God, into a greater dimension, into a clearer perspective. Because right now, we see but a foggy reflection as in a mirror. But soon, through my honesty, we will see face to face. And I thank you, Lord, that you're going to bring sight to the blind. And Lord, you're going to bring clarity to the blurred. And Lord, we thank you, God, for all that you've done and all that you're going to do. And we're going to leave here today with an open heaven that's going to give us a revelation and a blessing of favor that is beyond our IQ, beyond our talents, beyond our abilities, beyond our income, beyond our status. It's going to overwhelm us and consume us. And Lord, we're going to say, God, how did I get that? I'm not worthy of that. And he's going to say, because I love you. Lord, in Jesus' name, I thank you for pouring out your blessings on your children. Fill them, strengthen them, and encourage them today. Let them know the test is coming. But all they need to do is be honest. Let them be honest. I'm frustrated. I'm angry. I'm I'm upset. I'm I'm dealing with doubt. I'm dealing with fear. I'm dealing with insecurities. I'm, I'm dealing with some stuff, Lord. I'm better than where I was, but I'm not where I could be. Holy Spirit, speak to them. And I pray that every night this week this house would be packed. Not just so we could be full for posterity, but so, Lord, that you 
can do a work in so many lives, every life possible. If we got to sit people on the ground and in the lobby and in overflow, let's do it, God, because we want every life to be changed. We want every life to be impacted. And, Lord, we thank you, God, that you are going to do it. In Jesus' name. And everybody shouted a good amen. 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 Awesome. Hope to see you all this week. I want to speak this bridge declaration that God gave us. And we're going to speak this together out loud, boldly. Be dismissed, and then I'll see you throughout the week. But let's speak this together. I am a bridge builder. This is my season of favor. I am blessed to live my best. I will choose to love him first. I will worship fully, love deeply, and my community will thrive because I am praying for it. I am a carrier of peace. I will represent God's gentleness to myself and others. I will live out his gospel. I am blessed to live my best because I am a bridge builder. Amen. We're so glad you joined us today. If you made a spiritual decision, whether that was dedicating your life to Christ or rededicating your life to Christ, send us an email at info at weirbridge.church and let us know you made that spiritual decision. Also, if you're joining our Bridge Church family online for the first time, we have a very special gift for you. Send us an email at info at weirbridge.church to share some information on where we can send you that gift. We're so glad you joined us today, and we can't wait to see you soon. Be sure to stay connected, because we're so much better. Together. Together.